Amen. Wow, what a wonderful sight this morning to see all the students and parents coming and uh, being on our platform. I, I just want to say thank you for all the teachers and administrators that came in our service today. Let's give them a great big hand. Thank you so much. I'll tell you, we just, uh, we really love our partnership uh, with the schools. And uh, I think uh, years ago, it, uh, when I was a pastor, I enjoyed so much the opportunity to be in the schools. And then going down and finding some of our young people that I didn't know were teaching down there. And uh, it was a real joy to, to connect with some of the heart graves down there. I said, oh, my goodness. Uh, these guys are now teachers? Oh, wow. Let's really pray for our teachers. Amen. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry that Pastor John couldn't be here today. Uh, he and Joy are taking Blake. He's a senior this year in college. Uh, but the heartbreak is they're taking Blair, their youngest, as a freshman in college, and so they're away, uh, taking her to school. And I know that Joy is going to need a whole uh, basket of, uh, of uh, tissues <laughs> as they leave her off to school and uh, come home and they're empty nesters. So how many of you remember doing that? Yeah. How many of you, uh, several of our, our parents are away, I know, already this weekend and doing the same thing. But it's always a scary thing, getting in a new grade, a new, a new teacher, and a new school. And especially when you're taking them off, they're like, uh, they're going to be 500 miles away from home. And uh, so that's, that's a whole new step of faith uh, for parents. And uh, some of you I know are going to cry. Some of you are going to laugh all the way home and so excited that it finally came. And, uh, but <laughs> we all have all kinds of different emotions. But one of the emotions, as Pastor John has been in uh, preaching through the book of 1 Peter, and I want you to turn there, and that's kind of my assignment today in chapter uh, 3. I'm so glad that John uh, handled the first part of this passage in chapter 3 because it deals with marriage. And I'm so glad that he dealt with that. And uh, he'd been married 25 years, and I know he has plenty of experience to talk about that, and so I was really thankful for, uh, for him to handle that. But I thought it was very interesting, as we have gone through this uh, book of Peter a number of Sundays now, and I've enjoyed all of them, but instead of choosing the word as is given in the text, submit or surrender, did, did you recognize what John used instead, Pastor John? He used the word unfair. Did you notice that? He had a little trouble using that word submission. And I always get tickled when he does that because I remember how much trouble he had with submission as a kid. <laughs> and uh, so he, uh, he's had to learn that the hard way. And I, when, he, when he left to go to college, I said, Lord, I just don't think I finished the job. <laughs> and every now and then I say the same thing, Lord, I just don't think I finished the job. <laughs> but um, I get a thrill every time I get to hear um, Pastor John's preach, honestly. I love to hear him preach. He preaches the Word of God, and he marches us through books. And I'm telling you, what we lack personally, the Word makes all the difference in the world when we give out the Word. Well, today our, I, I thought it was interesting. It fell my uh, lot. To, and the subject of this particular passage in John, first, or excuse me, 1 Peter chapter number 3 uh, is the word hope. And uh, what a marvelous theme it is. And let's look at our, at our passage, if we will, in 1 Peter chapter 3. 
And I, w- I want to begin in verse number 10. It says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. Boy, I'm glad he's opened our prayers. Uh, uh, hope was one of the main words that got me through school. I was saying, oh, Lord, I hope they don't ask that on that test. <laughs> oh, Lord, I hope I can pass this year. I, you know, we live with hope, trying to make it from one class to another, one grade to another. And, uh, and then I said, I, Lord, I just hope their paddle isn't that big. Now, I know you don't do that anymore, but growing up, I used to pray, Lord, I hope that paddle isn't that big. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. The, it's called the Board of Education Applied to the Seat of Knowledge, isn't it? And we, 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 got, we got over that a long time ago, I'm, I'm afraid. But anyway, <laughs> as, he, as he's saying here, the eyes are open to the righteous. His ears are, are there to hear our prayers. And, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Then he asks an interesting question here in the text. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? It's as if Peter now has been talking all through this book about the trials that we're going to face, the difficulties that we're going to encounter in following the Lord. And then he says, but who is he that's going to harm you who are followers of that which is good? And and the obvious answer is, yes, there are those who do not understand the good that we do. There are those who will criticize the good that you will do. And how many times our intentions are misunderstood. In seeking to do good, in seeking to teach, in seeking to guide young people and families in the right way, in our desire that we would motivate people to learn and to grow and become a good, responsible people, loving people, caring people, There are many who are going to go along and say, God bless you. Man, you're doing such a good job. We really appreciate your investment in our students. Aren't you glad when that occurs? You get a few of those notes and a few of those calls that just happen to be positive. (laughs) And what a joy it is uh, to receive those. But the Bible says, just in case... Uh, you're not caught off guard. That's not going to happen every moment of every day. People are not going to understand your motives all the time. And so he asked the question, God is there. He's watching over us. He's going to care for us. He's going to hear our prayers. He's going to punish those who do evil. He's going to reward those who do good. But just in case this occurs, verse 13, who is it that's going to harm you? Who is it that's going to see what you're doing and not understand it? Who is it that's going to see you one day and decide that you are an evil person, that you've done wrong, and that you're out to get them, and that you're out to discourage their students? See, so just in case you get too caught up in all the wonderful praise and the good things that are happening to you, recognize there are going to be difficult times. And that's what the, the theme of this book, 
really is about understanding the fiery trials. I want you to look ahead in, in chapter number 4 for just a moment. I'm going to jump ahead because this passage that we're dealing with, Paul, uh, Peter's been dealing with it all, all the whole book, about understanding there are trials. In, in, in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. <laughs> fiery trials. Peter was living in a time... And we know the life of Peter. We know that Peter always spoke before he thought. He was always quick to jump when he should have been praying. He was always quick to acclaim, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you, Lord. I'll, I, I will die with you. Remember Peter? But what happened? Peter went out and when, when it was crunch time, he denied the Lord not once but twice. And then the, one of the gospels says he cursed and swore they never knew the Lord. Well, Peter knew what it was to face opposition. And they're living in one of the day and age in the first century, one of the greatest persecutions of all times was occurring against Christians. And Christians were dying. People were leaving their homes and their houses and fleeing to other countries because of persecution against Christ and the church. So Peter is talking to those who are facing grave opposition, loss of life, loss of their, 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 their workplaces, loss of their homes. He's, he's facing all of those things, and Peter is saying, look, there are going to be times when people are not going to have an understanding of the good that you're trying to do. And he said, there will even be those in the name of God decide to slay you in the name of God. David it was saying, you know, when I was faced opposition, it wasn't my stranger. It wasn't somebody who knew me. It was somebody that I knew that we walked into the house of God together in Psalms, he tells us. And so fiery trials come. But Peter is saying this book is about hope. Aren't you glad that even in difficult times, God says there is hope? There is a hope and there is a, a, an opportunity to anticipate good. There's an opportunity to anticipate better times coming and that God is going to rescue you. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's a God of rescue? That he knows when we're going through trouble. Trouble. He knows when we're going through difficulty. He knows we're going down in the valley. And he said, I want you to know that I'm not going to, I'm not only the God of the mountains, but I'm the God of the valley. And that I'll take you through those difficult times. If you notice it, back in chapter 1, in verse 3, this theme of hope runs throughout the whole book. So turn there for just a moment. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, but reserved in heaven for you. I'm glad that we have an, an eternal hope. And uh, so many of our loved ones have, uh, family members have passed. And I just think of all the ones that just recently passed and, and how our hearts go out to them. But thank God. I was just, I was just talking to uh, the Bartleys just earlier, and I said, you know, isn't it wonderful that Brother Charles, is, he's enjoying his reward now. And there is, there is an eternal reward. There's an inheritance that's, that is reserved in heaven that can never be taken away. That's our eternal hope. And the reason we have that is because the one... The one who has, has, has lived and died on the cross has raised from the dead. 
And so Brother Charles, Brother, Brother Troy, excuse me, Charles, you're, you're still living, did I? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm looking in the future here, brother. <laughs> We're all going the same way, amen? But brother, brother Troy, he is enjoying his reward, amen? And one day we're going to be there. One day we're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That's the wonderful hope. You see, that's why, I mean, I'm, I'm, if I'm walking around with a brother and he's a good teacher and he's telling me some wise things and then I'm seeing some miracles happen, I'm seeing the blind eyes opened and I'm seeing people raised from the dead and I'm witnessing this guy that spoke like no one ever else ever spoke. And I'm witnessing miracles that I've never seen happening before. And all of a sudden he said, you know, in a little bit I'm going to die, but don't worry, I'm coming back. And then they, they watch him crucified on the third day after he's up and alive. He walks out of the tomb and for 40 days declares himself to be the living Savior. You know, if, if, if I know a guy like that, I'm going to listen to him. Because he's, he did exactly what he said he was going to do, didn't he? He, he rose from the dead. He said, I, I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. You believe in me, you'll never die. You just pass from this life to everlasting life. Isn't that a marvelous truth? You see, that's the blessed hope, and that's how he, that's how he starts this book out. But it, not only in chapter 1 and verse number 3, but notice, if you will, just a little bit farther down in that chapter, he says in verse number 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the great grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Rest your hope fully on that grace. Oh, I love that. Now, look at verse 21. He says, Who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are where? They're in God. Our faith and hope is in a living God, an everlasting Savior, one who knows our troubles and knows our problems. And so when we face the fiery trials, he, he again says in chapter 3 in verse 13, or verse number 15, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Now that's the text where we are today. Who's going to harm you? Verse 14 says, but even if you should suffer the righteous, for righteousness' sake, you are blessed and do not be afraid of, of, their, of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense. The old King James says, an answer. I like the word defense. Give an answer. Give it a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the, what's the word? Hope. You be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have that is in you with meekness and fear. Verse 16, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you, your good conduct in Christ, they may be ashamed. It is better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for us. Did he deserved that. Jesus deserved to die, he deserved to... To be, uh, to be beaten, to be laid down on the cross. No, he willingly did that, didn't he? For our sins. The just for the unjust. Wow. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh and made alive by the Spirit. 
You see, Jesus Christ is truly our hope. Now, if you're looking for the blanks, number one, keep hope when others criticize you. It's in your bulletin. So look at your bulletin. Will you keep hope even when others criticize you? You see, he lays out the fact that, you know, most of the time God is, you live for the Lord, God's going to bless you, he's going to hear and answer your prayers, and things are going to go well, but there are times in your life when they're not going to go well. When your good is going to be evil spoken, he said, you remember the fiery trial is going to come. You say, well, what kind of trial is that? Well, I want you to know that trial is inevitable. Criticize while doing good. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. What are we to do when doing good gets us into trouble? What are we going to do when doing good gets us into trouble? Have you kids ever been in the principal's office for something you didn't do? <laughs> They're down here coughing. <laughs> It wasn't me. I didn't start it. <laughs> Isn't that what you hear? That other guy, he's the one that started it. We just had to join in. <laughs> Listen, what do we do when we really are doing good and it gets us into trouble? That's a wonderful question to be answered. Well, it's, it's important that we recognize here in the text. He gives us the answer. Verse 13 is that, is that question. What are you going to do when, when someone harms you because you're doing good? You're following Christ. For even if you should suffer righteous, for righteousness' sake, he said you are blessed. Wow. You see, James mirrors this book of First of Peter. And in, in James, the Bible is very quick to say it's so important that we recognize James' message. Just a page back. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance. God says he allows the fiery trial to come, to teach us, to grow us. Very seldom have I ever prayed harder when things were great. Very seldom have I ever wept and cried out to God in prayer and strong crying to the Lord. When I was on the top of the mountain, everything was going wonderful. It's when I'm in the valley. It's when I'm going through trials. When I have, it seemed like I have no hope, and the only hope is to look up. You see, there was no hope in myself and no, what I knew, what I, my abilities, but my hope had to be in the Lord God. And so it's for those trials. You know, I had a pastor recently call me one time, a younger guy that was in our ministry years ago, and he said, Brother Haley, could you tell me how do you handle losing good people? How do you handle losing people that you, you ministered to, you loved? You were there in times of sickness and times of death. How do you handle that? And I, I got, got quiet on the phone. I said, well, I, I guess you've lost some people recently. He said, yes, some of the beers people I know. And I said, you know, I called him my name, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. That's the fiery, one of the fiery trials in the work of the Lord. When you invest in students, when you give your all, and you go the extra mile, you minister to the family, and all of a sudden 
they accuse you of a wrong motive. They accuse you of something you never intended. And all of a sudden, you lose them. They check out on you. I said, several years ago, I went through one of those times. Throughout the 46 years in ministry I've been in, there have been seasons of that. It's, it's just a part of the ministry. And so I, I said to him, I said, you know, the last time this occurred, I probably, it hurt me more than anyone else, any time else in my life. I always thought when you got old, everything got easier. And that's not happening. And when I read the book, some of the greatest trials that the men of God and women of God had were when they were after they were 80 years of age. I hope I'm in heaven when I turn 80. Amen. <laughs> I hope I'm not around. I don't want to face those fiery trials at 80. But I'm just saying to you, when I went through that, people that I, I loved very dearly just walked away. And my good was evil spoken of. And I really got, I got a little mad, honestly. I got a little down. I got a little discouraged. And one day while I was praying and bemoaning that and feeling sorry for myself, anybody ever have a pity party? Oh, yeah. oh boy, I've had a few of them. How many of you have a pity party this week? Come on now, come on, come on. How many of you had a pity party this week? There's several. I had one last week. I'll probably have another this week. That's just human nature. But I'm telling you, when I was down having a pity party, the Lord said to me, here's what he said. He said, Brother Haley. Now, he didn't call me Brother Haley. He said, Mike. He said, I'd just like to know, who are you serving? Are you serving so those people will follow you? Are you serving and ministering so those people will say, Allison, such a great job you're doing. I love the, the choir musical. That's awesome, man, what the kids are doing. Are you serving to get that? Are you serving that so that people will think highly of you? Are you serving so maybe you'll even get a promotion? Boy, that... I said, Lord, I'm hurting here. <laughs> Can't you say some nice words here to me? <laughs> Can't you give me a soothing message? I said, no, you don't need that. Are you, I thought you got into this years ago as a student because you love me and because you wanted to serve me. And it was for my glory and for my praise. Wow. Well, I got a little bit lower, and I, I said, I confess to the Lord my sin. Because I, I wanted their fellowship. I wanted to be liked. And so when I told that young pastor that, he said, oh, I thought you'd have a better answer than that one. <laughs> I said, I wish I did, but that's what the Lord gave me. And that's what the text, look what the text says here. First Peter chapter 3. And he says in verse number 14, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. You press it down. Uh, James says, count it all joy. God can bring good. You think about it. And do not be afraid of their threats. And don't be troubled. Don't 
have the pity parties. Don't feel all the sorrow. But verse 15, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Let's come back. Why, why do we come to Christ? Is it because we want to get rich? Is it because we want to get famous? Is it because we want a position? Why do we come to Christ? The Bible says that we come, it's recognized the just who's died for the unjust. That we are sinners saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that we have a mission and we have a work and a purpose, and it's only temporary. We are on what the uh, Air Force calls TDY. We're temporary duty. We are just here for a little while. We have an assignment for just a little while. And so he says, why are you serving? Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Make him holy again. Make him the object of your life. Make him number one in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, not only should we, and that's in your bulletin, check my attitudes, but clarify my message. Why am I serving the Lord? Is it for me? Is it for him? I always keep in the flyleaf of my Bible some of the things that God impresses me with. And one, years ago, I wrote my purpose. So every now and then, I just turn back and make sure I got it, still got it memorized. I live my purpose. I live to glorify God by loving him and loving others. Always allowing God to mold my character and prompt me to pray, to serve, to give, to forgive, and any other things he's prompting me to do. But I live for him. And you know, we, if you can't say that and not reiterate it every day because the world precious us away. The world and the sorrows and the problems and the difficulties all press us away from that. But God is saying, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Check your attitudes, clarify your message, and then clear your conscience. The number two, keep hope when others criticize you. Number two, keep hope in the steadfast hope. You could, you could put unchanging hope, the never-changing hope, you see, our unchanging anchor. I love the verses of Scripture that I, I've listed in your bulletin. But it, but it says in, in Hebrews chapter 6, Lay hold of the hope that is set before you. Hebrews 6, verse 18 and 19. Lay hold on the hope that is set before you. This hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters in Jesus Christ, the one enters into the presence behind the veil. He's the one that that has presented his blood as a sacrifice for our sin. Now, when we lay hold on that hope, that's a true anchor. It's not a wishful hope. It's a steadfast. It's an eternal hope. It's a God who never changes. It is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is that one who ever reaches out to us. His values never change. And I, I, I love the, that I, I, I ask God, help me never lose sight of the values and the, one, one of the most important values the Lord has taught me is reaching out to the least of these. And when, when the disciples brought the children and they said, now, we, can't, we don't have time for the kids today. And he pushed, uh, the disciples pushed them away from the Lord. The Lord stopped them. He rebuked them, the Bible says. He said, you allow the children to come. 
He said, for if such is the kingdom of God, except you be converted as a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And whenever I began to understand early in my ministry, the least of these, the importance of it. I love your pastor and the fact that he loves kids. He has such a heart for kids. And, and, and he's just a big kid. Amen. Would you agree with that? Amen. He's a big kid. But he loves kids. He loves ministry. But I remember a profound influence in my life. And, and students, listen. Your experiences, your, your journey deserves a journal. Write down experiences that change you so you don't forget them. You, you will be the same today in 20 years except for the books you read, the people you meet, and the experiences that you have. Chronicle them. In 1982, I've never forgotten this experience. I wrote it down. I reread it every now and then. But I remembered God teaching me about the value of the least of these. I was in the island of the Philippines. My grandmother died in Lubbock. I was not able to go back. It was in the day where you just couldn't get a ticket changed and go back. So that particular day was the day of my grandma's funeral. And we hiked. We drove as far as we could in a four-wheel drive up to the mountains in the rural area of Mindanao. Uh, it's a very uh, infested with uh, rebels today. It had communist rebels in those days. They came over from Indonesia. But we were hiking up to a, a village tribe. And we hiked, and after we got through our four wheels as far as it could go, then we hiked seven times. We crossed the river and got up to a little village. The missionary, a few years, had pioneered a new work there. And so they had prepared a meal for us, and we came into this poorest of villages. And there another tribe had walked 30, 40 miles, and we were going to have a service there. And as we got in there, we went into a little bamboo hut. And they prepared a little chicken, a little rice, and a few little scrawny-looking vegetables. And I saw the chickens running out, and I thought, man, there's not enough meat on those chickens to feed any of us. I mean, it was just a really poor area up in the mountains. So we sat down, and we blessed it, and we, we ate it. But as I was eating, I looked over my shoulder, and there were eyes peeking through the bamboo poles. And there were little ones. And they were hanging over the doorway. And I remember I didn't particularly care for the meal, but I thought I should eat some of it. And so I did. But when we got up to leave, just as we cleared the doorway, all those little children came around and entered the hut where we were. And I turned back to look at them. And they were on the table finishing our food. They were eating what we had left over on the plate. And I, I'm telling you, that changed me. I never understood how hungry kids can be. Until that day, way in the mountains, in southern Mindanao, Philippines, God changed my heart. And I saw the least of these. And I knew that several years later when Bruce came with the idea of feeding kids all over the world, I said, I'm in. Both feet, I'm in. I'm going to tell you, kids are hungry today. They're hungry in our area, physically, spiritually. They're hungry. I, one of my granddaughters brought a girl to Bible school, never been to church. She's eight years old. 
They're everywhere. People hungry physically, spiritually. But Jesus said, reach out to the least of these students. There are, you're going to find kids that are hungry for a friend. You're going to find students who are uh, kids who they don't feel good about themselves. They need a friend. Would you watch out for the least of these, those who are hurting, those who, who are, feel like they don't belong, and reach out to them? That's the value of Jesus saying, reach down and love. And then don't lose sight, not only of the values that he gives us. That's just one of them. But don't lose sight of Jesus. Who Jesus, the Bible says he was the just who died for the unjust. He was the innocent dying for the guilty. He took my sin. I never forget the story of another missionary in Asia. It was a story similar to the one I visited there, where they had, the tribe was hungry. They had, the rebels had, had stolen from them. They were rationing their food. And the chief said they're getting dangerously low, and someone said there, there's someone stealing rice out of the, the storehouse. So the chief stood up and said to the tribe, when we find that one, they're going to be whipped severely. We, cannot, we have to ration our, uh, our rice, and we only have a little bit left, and we cannot allow anyone stealing. And so he said, we're going to lash them. We'll tie them to the pole and lash them severely when we find the one stealing. Well, the next day they found the one. It happened to be the tribal leader's aged mother. For one reason or another, she was sneaking in and stealing rice. Well, he had made, he had made the decision that whoever is caught stealing is going to be lashed severely. So now he found as his aged mother who probably would not survive a whipping like that. So what is he going to do? The missionary said he called for the man who was the whipper. He said, bring him out prepare him and he took his mother and he tied her to the pole in the middle of the village and he said the whipping must begin but before the lash could be applied before the whipper could begin starting he tore his shirt off and he walked out and he covered his mother fully who was tied to the pole and he cried out, let the whipping begin. And that day, justice was served because he took every lash for his mom. And she survived. But the debt was paid. You see, never forget what Jesus said. He said, I am willing to go. I am willing to stand in your place. I am willing to be lashed. I'm willing to be laid down and my hands nailed and lifted up and to be suffer for you and for me, the just for the unjust. Never forget who we serve, who he is. The more I learn about my God, the more I learn about my Savior, the more I love him. The more I say, Lord, it's for your honor. 
It's for your glory. It's for you, Lord Jesus, because you deserve all the glory and all the honor. Do you know that one today? You see, Peter is saying, don't lose hope. Oh, people may criticize you. You may be your good evil spoken of, but just think about the one who loved you, prepared an eternal way for you. Just think about the one who laid his life down for you and say, you know, this is temporary duty. One day, I'm going to be in glory. Now, let me ask you, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our heads bowed and eyes are closed. Are you sensing a hopeless feeling today about your family, about your home, about your kids? Is there a sense of despair? Is there a sense of feeling, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. Are you sensing the bite of someone who's criticized you for what you thought was doing good? I sympathize with you. I know exactly how that feels. May I invite you to renew your hope today. To renew your commitment to Jesus. He's the one who loves you more than anybody else. The darkest times of my life. I'm so thankful for Jesus. Truly, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you alone. You'll never be orphaned. I'm always going to be with you. And that is so true. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's pray together. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you've never trusted Jesus, the one who died for you, let me encourage you to do it today. I remember as a young student putting my faith and trust in Jesus. Just as a kid, I said, oh God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fallen short in you, and Lord, I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me. Come into my heart and be my Savior. As a young student, I heard his voice. I heard him call to me. And he's never left me. Oh, man. It's been over 60 years ago now. Thank God. He is a a God who keeps his promises, keeps his word. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Lord, I pray you'll bless this audience. Thank you for our students, our parents and grandparents. Thank you for our educators, our administrators. God, we thank you for them. I pray you'll give them a great year. Encourage them. Give them hope in times when they, Lord, would lose hope. When their good is evil spoken of, I pray you'll encourage them to know that you see them, that you know what's going on in their life. And, Lord, you will always be there to reward us and to bless us. And, Lord, may we look to you today. Renew hope in our lives. While we're in the spirit of prayer, Ben's going to sing. If you need to come and pray, you need to renew that hope. Just come. People are here to pray with you and help you, encourage you, need Christ as Savior. Just come right on, will you? Trust Him.